Welcome to Inside Muskegon, the podcast featuring Jason Pisecki. Now, Inside Muskegon. Welcome to Inside Muskegon. This is episode number five. I'm Jason Pisecki. The Inside Muskegon podcast is a weekly show featuring interviews with community leaders and comments from everyday people from Muskegon, Michigan. The goal of the podcast is to engage Muskegonites in a dialogue about the issues that affect our everyday lives. This week's show features an interview with Dr. Iman Mahaweli, a commentary on the interview, listener feedback, and information on contacting Inside Muskegon. Now, there was a little bit of news recently about podcasting and how the term is getting integrated in the lexicon of American and English language, and recently the American Dictionary selected podcast as their word of the year for 2005, and they define a podcast as a digital recording of a radio broadcast or similar program made available on the internet for downloading to a personal audio player. And they will be adding it to their next online update of the new Oxford American Dictionary, due in early 2006. So I think that is fantastic news, and hopefully this medium of podcasting will continue to gain acceptance and use in a wider audience. Moving on, our interview this week is with Dr. Iman Mahawili, the Executive Director of the Michigan Alternative and Renewable Energy Center. Merrick, which is located in downtown Muskegon in the Edison Landing Smart Zone. I'm here with Dr. Iman Mahawili, the Executive Director of the Grand Valley State University Michigan Alternative and Renewable Energy Center. Thank you, Dr. Mahawili, for taking the time out to talk with Inside Muskegon. You're welcome wanted to start out by asking you what the uh, Grand Valley State University Michigan Alternative and Renewable Energy Center is. Well, it's, it's um, um, the first example of a distributed generation facility actually in the state and in the United States uh, that, that has uh, integrated uh, uh, technologies, leading technologies in renewable energy and alternative energy. And it has a purpose of the integration, performance, and also has a purpose of education. And also, and the third component is in spinning off and incubating tech, new technologies. Great. Maybe you could uh, share with us a little bit of your background. Um, education uh, is I'm a chemical engineer from the University of London at the Imperial College. And uh, worked five years uh, with uh, DuPont in the East Coast and in the research labs. And um, then went to Silicon Valley for around 12 to 14 years, um, got exposed to startup companies and got involved with startup companies there and applying uh, chemical engineering principles to semiconductor fabrication and manufacture. Then came back to um, Michigan and started a couple of companies. They All my companies I got involved with now have been sold. Uh, I hold... Um, some uh, 21 patents and some five pending and uh, four major technical papers. And uh, so I'm an entrepreneur, technologist, and um, we keep going. Great. I think you have a obviously a very amazing and impressive background. 
Thank you. Uh, what interested you most in the executive director position at Merrick, and why did you eventually come to uh, work here in downtown Muskegon? I, I think it's the um, the there's two things that that um, uh, entice me to come here. Uh, one is uh, Grand Valley State University's president Mark Murray's um, uh, not only vision but actually um, uh, uh, action. Uh, he believes and he uh, executes his position in education. Uh, he, I would call it, he has a style of or a philosophy of bringing an entrepreneurial to educational sort of institutions. And to me, um, because he has a business background and he's enabled this sort of environment and uh, for an entrepreneur like me to come and be associated with the university, that's a very challenging thing. But I think his philosophy to bring entrepreneurialism into education is what attracted me, I would say, uh, number one. And and number two is is the fact that uh, at this age, after uh, several companies, startups, and some successes, I decided to be part of uh, Grand Valley's vision uh, for uh, <clears throat> the alternative and renewable energy, because uh, with my background as a chemical engineer, spending five years with DuPont uh, uh, related to energy um, uh, issues with their chemical feedstocks, uh, I decided to sort of at that, uh, after 25 years since the early 70s when I joined them, mid 70s when I joined them, to come back and make a contribution to and the energy in our state and in our and hopefully in our country and this happens to be Muskegon and why not develop economic development at the same time doing this here. Great. I uh, kind of to dovetail off that question a little. What do you see as the future of current energy sources and in particular fossil fuels like gasoline and oil? I think they will stay the same, just to be blunt about this. Nothing about energy is as esoteric or more esoteric or can be more esoteric than the oil, gas, and, uh, and, and, and coal. I think or even nuclear fuels, they will stay the same because we have to be realistic about this. Our demand for energy is huge. <clears throat> and in the United States, we consume some 21 million barrels of oil a day. Uh, and that's a huge rate. And 11 million of those approximately are used for transportation. So... The reality is uh, the world population is increasing. The world demand for oil is increasing. The the supplies are finite. And no matter who you believe, the supply is finite. And as a result, um, we may be at the half um, uh, peak whereby we have half of the supplies left in our world un-tapped, but our rate of consumption is increasing. And as a result of that, uh, the laws of supply and demand will, will continue to increase, uh, I mean, operate, and as a result, as the supplies dwindle uh, for any of those uh, fossil fuels, the price will increase. But we are heading for a serious depletion in, in our um, in our future. Some say 25 years and some say <clears throat> 75, 80 years. Regardless, they are the operative fuels for our economy. And as a result... Uh, that's what we have to live with, and we have to address other issues regarding that sort of question. Yeah, definitely. Um, What types of alternative and renewable energy are you studying here in Muskegon at Merrick? We we have selected um, in uh, Merrick um, a proven technology, leading edge but proven. Number one 
is the uh, the cornerstone of our technology is as an alternative fuel is natural gas in this case, and it's a molten carbonate fuel cell from Fuel Cell Energy in Danbury, Connecticut. That product has been um, uh, installed, working for almost two years at Merrick. It's 250 uh, kilowatts of power, and it has working t- been working 24/7. And and really, they are just simply they produce an excellent product. It's uh, we brought it because high efficiency can up to a full full production rate can reach something like 75 percent efficiency for power generation and um, and heat recovery. In contrast to the grid, which is around maybe 35 38 percent with power generation heat recovery. Then we brought in the uh, uh, this, uh, the solar panels, the photovoltaic solar panels, uh, some 30 kilowatts of them. We have 10,000 square foot from Unisolar, and they, of course, have no moving parts, mechanical, no mechanical parts, and they've been working for almost two years, 24-7, an excellent product. Uh, we just need the sunshine in West Michigan. That's the, that's the key. That's a challenge. And that's a, sometimes it's a challenge, but we had a great spring and summer, so we can't complain too much. But that's a statistical situation, as you know. And um, <clears throat> we have a uh, – in looking at the economics for the past uh, two years – over the past two years, um, we know um, that uh, fuel cell technologies are about four times the installed cost uh, per kilowatt compared to the grid. Uh, solar photovoltaics are about eight times installed um, uh, cost per kilowatt compared to the grid. So I brought in technology that is the microturbine, combined heat microturbine from Capstone Technology in Southern California. And that's because its installed cost is anywhere between $700 to $1,800, depending how you use the heat, how we recover the heat from it compared to the grid. Most competitive economically to the grid are today as we know it. So we have those three technologies working. Yep. And how much uh, energy do you produce here at uh, Merrick? And you know, what is a relationship that you have with some of the uh, utilities with uh, the energy that you, you make? Well, in our area, we are connected to, we are with, handshaking with consumer power. So we have an interconnect agreement. The kind of power we, we can generate is up to 310 kilowatts of power uh, on a very nice sunny day because some 30 kilowatts can come from the sun. And we do get it from the sun on a, on a very pleasant day in the summertime. So we have, um, and this building consumes around 100 kilowatts on the average. Um, uh, yes, it is twice as much in the summer because of the air conditioning as it is in the wintertime, but we have almost constant excess of power, around 200 kilowatts of power. And so our relationship with the grid and this is something I want all of our listeners to really appreciate, that we have an interconnect agreement with, with consumer power such that if we buy from them, it's between 9.8 to 10 cents a kilowatt hour. And through our, if we sell it to them, it's about 2.1 cents a kilowatt hour. And that dis- differential, uh, it looks like in their favor, and, and, and that's, that's the relationship we have, is <clears throat> a concern uh, for renewable energy, for alternative energy. It could be viewed as a barrier for development because we have excess power. If we will sell it, we will sell it at a loss. So we, we, we manage our systems and our buildings such that we do not sell on net average near zero per month. Well, along the lines of uh, your answer to that question, uh, do you see the government having uh, some role in either mandating or encouraging the use of uh, renewable energy? Um, I, I think um, uh, that is going to have to be the case. Um, and because in on one hand, you cannot 
um, uh, blame the utilities for for looking at their sort of operating economics and competitive position in the marketplace. On the other hand, um, the you know we in the state of Michigan are exporting uh, on the average year something like fourteen fifteen billion dollars to purchase our energies from some few southern states. And after Katrina, it may even reach $25, $26 billion from what I'm hearing and reading. But if we were to modify that, we need, we need to have some and encourage our citizens and corporations and private companies to generate uh, power from uh, renewable or alternative sources. We are going to have to do something about discrepancy in the buy-sell agreements. And maybe use examples like the state of California, the state of uh, uh, Wisconsin, even in the small uh, rate of exchange better than the state of Michigan uh, or Nevada or Arizona. And so we have to l- look at those examples, uh, let alone the state of Germany, which has a very favorable and um, sort of situation in favor of those uh, producing reno- uh, energy from renewable sources. So is it fair to say that uh, when you mention uh, Germany that uh, other countries are leading the way in uh, renewable and alternative energy and the United States needs to catch up? Well, um, not necessarily catch up. Technologically, we need to definitely catch up. The state of Germany in biomass conversion uh, is about 30 years ahead of us. In wind turbine design and manufacturing, both uh, the European countries, Germany and the Netherlands, etc., and Japan, and photovoltaics, they, they, they control the market, they're growing, and they're years ahead of us. Uh, uh, catch up is is a question of the related to the previous issue of economics and free market uh, application, which is a very complex issue. Their social situations are different than ours, so the government mandates they have are not what we have here. With that said, what which type of renewable energy do you see as having the most promising future? Um, f- from an economic point of view, um, number one. And number one point one, if I can say that, <laughs> is from a, from a technological point of view. Um, I would say the combined heat microturbine um, uh, offers the best uh, uh, sort of technology and economics uh, as we have it today, um, and with a, with a slight modification buy sell not uh, agreement for the electricity, it, it would be very competitive. But because it generates. Electricity, for example, our capstone microturbine generates 30 kilowatts of electricity and some 44 kilowatts of hot water. In our center, we're using a demonstration for a, for an ice melt to use the hot water. Or you can do, use it for heating the building. You can use it in a hotel, uh, com- combining them. They're doing that in California and Europe, um, proliferating very well. Of course, affected by natural gas prices, regardless. It's, it's a unit that can give you grid independence uh, or grid, grid handshake with the grid and as well as generating hot water. And economics are, depending which state you're in, could be very favorable. Yeah, when you talk about the uh, the ice melt system, that kind of leads into another question I wanted to discuss. And I was walking around uh, downtown Grand Haven yesterday, and you know it was kind of a snowy day here, and uh, you know it was a little bit slippery and difficult yeah. to yeah. walk around. And if the retailers weren't out there shoveling, you know yes. you had to watch your step. Um, what kind of um, renewable energy is being used here in Muskegon and in particular is there are there any plans to use it with the new Western Avenue redevelopment well um, that's a good point um, I think I was having the same walk in Grand Haven last night and uh, and, and the proprietors are cleaning but if, if there's a 
Exactly the point. I think if there's a building there, a commercial building that needs something like a 30 kilowatts of power, then they could use, I would recommend, a, a, a combined heat microturbine. Um, and they would generate their electric power. Uh, they would say for they would not buy from the grid. They would also generate heat for the ice melt. But they, the microturbine has the advantage also being used with uh, um, biogas, like landfill gas. So I, I would recommend that uh, a city like the city of Muskegon look carefully uh, at, at the landfill that we have on Apple Avenue, um, which generates, they're flaring the, the natural gas today continuously. Uh, that natural gas, according to my calculations, show that it has a potential, if it's used with microturbines, of 1.28 megawatts of power. And that's all the time and renewably, and another add-on of 1.8 megawatts of thermal power, hot water. So if you pipe in, which costs a lot of money to pipe that landfill gas uh, and and pre-process it into downtown Muskegon and proliferate those microturbines in those buildings, that would be a proposal worthy of consideration for power generation and for heat generation for ice melt or otherwise to make Muskegon probably the first renewable downtown in the United States. But it costs investment, and it would be a worthwhile thing to do. I think that's an important distinction to make, and I think you said it perfectly. It's uh, it's an investment and uh, not necessarily an expense. It's something that can definitely pay for itself over time and is an investment in your community and a good draw to get uh, yeah. business development spurred. I agree. Yeah. All right, the final question here. Uh, you have one minute alone with everyone in Muskegon County, so we're big, uh, big stadium, um, and I'd like you to make your pitch to get all of us to start using alternative and renewable energy in our everyday lives. That's a very tough question, a very, very tough, qu- challenging question. Um, uh, there's assumptions are great, and I'm still within my 60 seconds for education. That needs to be education. They need to know what people need to know what renewable energy is, what alternative energy is. But as we have it today, I would say we want to. I would like to reduce the dependency on fossil fuel. So consider immediately changing your driving habits because that will have the greatest impact uh, to reduce the 11 million barrels of oil per day that we consume in the United States. So start changing your driving habits. So reduce the independent fossil fuel. Insulate your homes so you reduce the dependence on heating oil. And and um, um, just uh, uh, seal your windows this, this, these three elements can have a dramatic, immediate, no investment uh, solution to, to reduce our dependency uh, on um, fossil fuels. But also to, because I have a 15 seconds left, start reading about what alternative renewable energy is. Visit Merrick, get educated, and go to Muskegon Community College because we have a class there to teach what it is and learn about it and stay connected to people and what we might do in downtown Muskegon. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Mahawili. I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. Maybe you could expand a little bit more on uh, where you're located for people that may be interested in coming and visiting. Merrick is located on the new Lakeshore Development um, uh, at and immediately adjacent to uh, Lake Muskegon. And uh, it's a... uh, 
a new development, new field. We are, we are the first building here. Um, there's a new Lakeshore Drive that's opened. Uh, I would say the best thing is Lakeshore and Terrace is a good vector on this. Uh, Parmenter Tool building is going up right next to our second building, and we hope many other buildings, including our spin-off companies, that come off to be built in this area and re- rejuvenate Muskegon. All right. Well, come down and visit and see what it's all about. It's an amazing building, and I guarantee you will be impressed. Thank you for your time. You're welcome. As you heard in the interview, Dr. Mahawili has a remarkable set of credentials, and we should feel privileged to have him as part of the Muskegon community. I wanted to draw some attention to a few of the comments made during the interview. First of all, uh, what is very impressive is Merrick is the first fully integrated demonstration facility for distributed generation of electricity using alternative and renewable energy technologies in the United States. I think that it is amazing that we have this facility doing cutting-edge research right on the banks of Muskegon Lake. And one point that Dr. Mahawili got into is existing energy sources are running out. And whether it's 50 years or 150 years from now, either uh, we or our children or our grandchildren are going to have to find new ways to produce energy for this planet. And I think all we have to do is check out our recent gas bills to uh, you know, find out the utilities warned us that bills could be up to 70% higher than last year. And Michigan does have its share of cold weather. So unless you want to get really comfortable with two, three, or even $400 plus gas bills, not to mention increase electric costs, it's uh, time to take action now. And Dr. Mahawili's suggestion to reduce our consumption of energy is a great start, but I think we need to do a lot more. My suggestion would be for all of us to contact our representatives in the Michigan Senate and House of Representatives, as well as the U.S. Senate and House of Reps. Um, And I'll provide a list of links to our local politicians in the show notes on InsideMuskegon.com. And one thing that I think we really need to focus on and mention is unless we mandate and require our communities and states to use renewable and alternative energy, it's not going to happen. It is, especially here in Michigan, we are one of the last, last states in the United States as far as our use of alternative and renewable energy. I mean, we're even getting outdistanced by some of our neighbors like Wisconsin, and it's not even close to what we're mandating as to what they are. States like California and countries like Germany, as uh, Dr. Mahawili mentioned in the interview, are requiring up to uh, you know, 10, 15, 20% use of renewable and alternative energy within the next few years. And whether it's a, a national mandate or a state mandate, Michigan needs to catch up because the use of alternative and renewable energy is something that we can do to make Muskegon a more attractive place to have a business and to live. If the government makes it more profitable 
and not a disincentive, something that they lose money to do, you know, facilities like Merrick to resell their excess energy to consumers and DTE energy and make it financially worthwhile to encourage the use of alternative and renewable energy. And it's not something that, you know, we need to take political sides on. Uh, Conserving energy and becoming a sustainable society is something that, uh, regardless of your political affiliation, that we can all agree on. And this would be a huge incentive to live and do business here in Muskegon and something that could really stimulate the economy in Michigan. I mean, talking about, you know, job loss and challenges in the region and in the state. Well, if this became a place that promoted, you know, renewable energy in a sustainable society, it would lead to lower cost of utilities and a more marketable region. So let's see what we can do. Take a little action. It doesn't have to be anything more than sending off an email, writing a letter, making a phone call, and let's kind of, you know, make ourselves heard and let it be known that there is a facility like Merrick here in Muskegon that can help with, you know, solving the problem and the energy, uh, I don't think anyone's gone as far to call it an energy crisis, but it really is on the brink if we don't do something soon. So now's our chance, Muskegon. Let's make ourselves heard and see what happens. I'm going to move on now to some listener feedback, and I've been getting some great comments from people on the show. And I wanted to share a couple of postings on the website on the Janie Scott interview, the owner of the Michigan Mayhem. And the first one says, Thanks for offering more information on the Michigan Mayhem. We're always looking for something new to do, and never thought about attending a game until we heard about the team from your podcast. We can't wait to receive more recommendations about different activities that are going on in downtown Muskegon. Well, I want to thank you very much for that comment. And our next comment is that I loved your interview with Janie Scott, owner of the Mayhem. The questions you asked were the same ones I was interested in knowing the answers to. It's so nice to have a podcast focused on local issues, and thank you for supporting Muskegon. Well, I do appreciate the feedback and would like to encourage you to go to the website and offer any suggestions that you have on making the podcast better or ideas for interviews. And I have been receiving quite a bit of uh, feedback saying that the podcast, you know, keep up the good work. It is getting better each time. And I do take that as high praise because I am definitely trying to make it as good as possible. So keep your suggestions coming and I will do my best to integrate them into the show. That brings us to the conclusion of episode five of Inside Muskegon. For more information, visit our website at insidemuskegon.com. For Inside Muskegon, I'm Jason Paisecki. Feedback is welcome at jason at insidemuskegon.com. This has been Inside Muskegon, the podcast featuring Jason Pisecki. Feedback is welcome at InsideMuskegon.com.